This morning from John chapter 18, beginning in verse 33. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. This is the Word of God for the people of God. This is the last Sunday of the Christian liturgical calendar. It is designated as Christ the King Sunday. It's the time where we celebrate that Christ should rule our lives. After we've done this whole 12 months of following the life of Christ, by now we're ready to celebrate and receive Christ as King. All during the month of November, we've been looking at some of the most basic teachings of Jesus. If you were with us that first Sunday of November, you will remember there was a discussion The question was, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus says, the first and greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord our God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Then the next week, we talked about how we decide who we should honor. And we looked at a story where Jesus was with His disciples at the temple and people were passing by, dropping offerings into the temple offering box. Many gave large gifts, but Jesus pointed out a widow who gave a very, very, very small gift. But Jesus said, look at her. Notice her. For she sacrificed to make that gift. And we talked about how important it is to honor those who sacrifice for the life of service, for the life of the church, for a life in service to Christ. We looked at our own history that week as we were celebrating our 125th anniversary and went all the way back to that first person who came to this territory, Reverend E.B. Chinoweth, to start this Methodist group so there might be this group witnessing to the love of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit here in this area, in this territory. Then last week, we read the story of Jesus and the disciples being in Jerusalem and how the disciples were enamored with these big buildings, probably bigger than they had ever seen. And Jesus said, oh yeah, that's nice. But then He reminded them, don't be too impressed by big buildings because they are temporary. And He pointed them to look beyond the temporary or beyond our physical lives 
at the spiritual. And even when we're in difficult circumstances, we were reminded that we can trust God. And God will lead us through any and every difficulty or circumstance we encounter. Now, all three of those stories were from the Gospel of Mark. Today, we've moved to the Gospel of John. In our story today, it's progressed to the point, as John's telling it, that Jesus has already been arrested. Jesus is under the control of the Roman Empire's military in this situation represented by Pontius Pilate. He is under His control. Or is He? Because as you begin to read the dialogue and the discussion, you begin to wonder, is Pilate in control or is Jesus really the one in control here? After all, Pilate asked Jesus a direct question and Jesus' answer is not really an answer. He asked Pilate a question back. And Pilate finally says, okay, all right. But you've got to understand, your own people have turned you over. What's your problem? That your own leaders would turn you over to the Roman military. What have you done? The implication is, what have you done wrong? How did you get yourself in this situation? So Jesus finally says, Rome is interested in worldly power. And they want to be king of all of this. That's not really my interest. And then in verse 36, as John writes it, Jesus says this key sentence. I've put it in your outline. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. My kingdom is not from here. As so often happens in the Gospel writings, especially in the Gospel of John, when Jesus is having a discussion with someone, they're focused on the material, on the worldly, on the physical existence of a human. And Jesus is talking about bigger things. He's talking about the spiritual and eternal realm. And the two have trouble understanding each other. That's going on here today. It is not that Jesus is not interested in people and what happens to them here in the world. It is simply this, that His calling, His focus, His power is not based on worldly foundations. You can hear it in verse 37. You can hear the confusion. Pilate asked Him, So, you are a king? He's not sure what Jesus is saying. Jesus answers, you say that I am a king. And then there's a period. And then Jesus says, for this I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. To testify to the truth. There's great power when someone is clear about their calling and who they are and where they're going to spend their life energy And Jesus is one of those people. We get a glimpse of His clarity even though He's under arrest. And a person who can put Him to death is asking Him questions. He is still focused on His call from God. For this I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. 
I have come to testify to the truth. For Jesus, that would be the truth of God and God's love for the world. Jesus is saying, I've come to do the work of God. I've come to embody the will of God. I'm not interested in all the worldly power that you Romans are interested in. I have a different purpose. I've come to reveal or embody the love of God, this outpouring of God's love for each and every one of us. We usually call it grace. The unmerited favor of God. Jesus is saying God loves each and every one of us. And God loves us from creation, not because we deserve it or we have earned it or because we're worthy and others are not, but because God has created us and we are God's children. God loves each and every one of us. Jesus has come to testify to that truth. He is ready to give His all to testify to that truth. That leads us back to that Scripture reading about the greatest commandment from several weeks ago where Jesus has said the first and greatest commandment, the one before all the others, is to make sure that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and continue that in the second way, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. His life is one that lives according to that commandment. Jesus has come to align His life to reveal to us what it looks like to live a life that's focused on love of God and love of neighbor. Does your life testify to that truth? Is your life ruled by that greatest and first commandment? Or do you let other things get in front of that in terms of importance of where you spend your time and your energy? Jesus says in rather strong terms, if you want to be a follower of Mine, then your life should embody this love of God and love of neighbor. That if somebody were following you or watching you or seeing the way you live, they would know that God's love is alive in the world right here and right now. At the very end, there's one final sentence at the end of what we read where Jesus says, Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to My voice. Another way to say this is God's will is done when we listen and obey Jesus. Every Sunday when we gather here and pray together, we say, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God gives us a role to play. God gives us a way to share the great good news that God's love is available and is seeking each and every one of us. The text raises the question of whether or not our lives testify to that truth. 
Do you align your life with God's will? Do you, do you seek to do the work of God in all that you say and do? Another way to talk about that is to use the imagery from today's reading and ask, is Christ the King of your life? Do you let Christ rule all things in your life? Now, Americans are not big on kings. We do not abide political kings. So this may not be your favorite image of Jesus But it's worthy to note and to think about today who's in charge of your life. What is most important in your living? This Sunday invites us into that self-examination and self-reflection as we read about Christ being King. John Wesley is known as the founder of Methodism. He sort of found himself leading a movement. People began to come and see him and seek him for spiritual advice. When he was 35, he had this experience where he'd been kind of struggling with his intimacy with God. And he'd been talking to a lot of other Christians, trying to have this sense of assurance that God loved him. And he writes in his journal that one night he went to a Bible study. He even writes that he went unwillingly. Some of us have had that experience where we went to a Bible study we didn't really want to go to or maybe even came to church where inside we're thinking, I don't really want to be there. That's the kind of struggle John Wesley was having, but he went anyway. And he says as his fellow was reading the preface to the book of Romans out of the Bible that all of a sudden he realized that Christ really did love him, that God really did love him personally. And he says in that experience, his heart was strangely warmed and it changed the way he pursued his faith for the rest of his life. If we wanted to use the imagery today, we could say that John Wesley let Jesus be king of his life. But so many Christians think that's the pinnacle of their experience, that once they've recognized God's love and experienced salvation, as Christians call it, that that's the fullness of the Christian life. But Wesley didn't get stuck there. He said, oh no, that's just the beginning. God's love that I've received now and recognized as here for me personally wants to work in me to help me grow for the rest of my life so that God can do even more and more so that I can experience more abundance in my living and I can share the love of God with others all the more. He continued to grow as he let Christ rule his heart. Now, as this movement grew that Wesley found himself being the leader of, he ran into lots of obstacles. But it's interesting to note that he did not let those obstacles stop him, nor did he stay tied to tradition. But Wesley often blazed new trails as he was leading this movement. When he felt God calling him into new territory, he trusted Christ to lead him or rule him time after time. Oh, he always consulted the Holy Scriptures. He looked at tradition, but he also allowed his own experience to play a role in all of this. And he used his mind to try to put all of this together as he tried to figure out what to do next. Let me give you a few examples of the things he ran into. He was a part of the Church of England. It was dominated by clergy people or ordained pastors. But as this movement, this revival grew, he didn't have enough ordained clergy to lead all the groups. 
And after he struggled for a while, he decided lay people can lead groups. They can be spiritual guides and mentors. And it was a revolutionary thing within Christianity to do that. Maybe even more radical was he decided that women could lead these groups. In a time where the church is dominated by male leadership, John Wesley begins to empower women to be spiritual guides and leaders. He had a friend who started writing him about preaching outside. Well, that was unheard of. Worship was to happen inside buildings that were a part of the Church of England. And yet his friends continued to write him and tell him about how many people they were reaching. Wesley wrote that this was a vile thing, this preaching out of doors. But he finally went and watched and listened and saw what was happening. And before you know it, John Wesley decides that God is calling him to preach out of doors. All these different decisions he had to make. He received great criticism for the authorities of the day didn't like it. But I would suggest to you that John Wesley allowed Christ to be king or ruler of his life. And on these difficult decisions, he would say he had a higher power that he had to respond to a higher power, or as Jesus says in our reading today, a power not of this world. In his life, we can see the power of allowing Jesus to be ruler of your heart for the rest of your life. Allowing Jesus to be king of who you are and what you're doing with all of your life. Let me tell you one last story. This was written up in the Tulsa World last summer. It was really written as an editorial, as a thank you by the person it happened to. The story he told was it was the middle of the summer and he had been invited to spend the weekend at the lake with some friends and family. On the way out of town, he decided he wanted to take some bags of ice to help keep everybody cool. So he stopped at a convenience store, went in, purchased the ice, loaded it all in his truck, and then drove on up to the lake. Once he got there, though, and was beginning to unload, he realized he didn't have his wallet. He thought, oh, no, maybe I just left it in my truck, but he searched, it's not there. He thinks I must have dropped it at the store. It's probably gone now. But he decided to call the store manager anyway, just in case somebody had returned it. But he knew the odds were against him because he knew in his wallet he had left two credit cards, his driver's license, and $150 in cash. He says that he called the manager. He sort of felt sick to its stomach, anticipating the bad news he was about to receive that nobody had turned it in. But to his great surprise, when he called the manager, he asked him his name. He told him. He told him the story. He said, I have your wallet right here. A few minutes ago, a young man came in and said, I found this on the pavement outside. I need to turn it in in case someone comes looking for it later. The man was stunned. He was so pleased and excited He said, oh, this young man was a man of integrity. This group might say, this young man was a good Boy Scout. We might say, 
that person was one who was allowing Jesus to be king of his life. Amen.